Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Uh, Sherry Kennedy standing by with Cruise News in just a couple of minutes. Coming up later on in the show, Richard Sims from New York City going to interview me about my recent Alaska cruise. So uh, looking forward to talking to Richard. A couple of housekeeping things. First, don't forget Cruise Radio News. It's our Cruise Radio Facebook group. Just search Cruise Radio News on Facebook. Uh, Also, Pumping out articles on the website at cruiseradio.net like a boss. Check them out. Just go to cruiseradio.net. All right, Sherry Kennedy with this week's Dose of Cruise News. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Doug. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, Past week, kind of busy with some cruise news and Delta Airlines. Talk to us about what happened. On Monday, thousands of frustrated travelers were stranded at airports around the country and, of course, around the world because Delta Airlines experienced what they said was a system-wide computer outage. And then even on Tuesday, there were still another 680 flights canceled. So that made a total of 1,600 canceled flights. Wow. In two days. Yeah, and the, and the reason that they gave for this outage, they, uh, Delta said it was a power surge responsible for taking out a computer module, and then the backup system, of course, failed. Emailed some of the cruise lines, and what they mm-hmm. told me uh, about the, pe- the flights that were canceled and people who were going on cruises. Um, so if your flight was canceled and you booked your air through the cruise line, they were not holding ships, but they would send you to the next port of call. Um, yeah, and yeah, and, and you know that just brings up the whole discussion that you and I had earlier about you know the getting travel insurance and booking your cruise. Do you book it through the air, the airline, or do you go through the cruise line for it? There's so many variables that cruisers should really know about before they go ahead and just willy-nilly hop on you know, one of the online sites and book their airfare. Yeah, and I would also say to add to that, uh, no matter if you book your travel insurance through the cruise line or through a third-party company, always, always, always read the fine print. I mean, Absolutely. You know, there's so much that you don't know. Of course, if you do book your air through the cruise line, that's you know, the one instance where they will hold the ship providing there's enough passengers or they will just fly you on to, like they said, the next port of call. Moving on here, Holland America increasing the price of some of their restaurants on board the ships. How much are the increases and what restaurants are going to see this increase? Well, it's interesting because I remember the day when Canaletto, which is the Italian converted part of the buffet, Mm -hmm. uh, was free. Canaletto was free, and it was the most wonderful little intimate Italian venue that you could possibly find on a cruise ship. For those that love the Pinnacle Grill, you know, at least once during your cruise, I think everybody tries to get there. It had been $29 per person, going up to $35 per person. Lunch, however, they've kept the same fee. Canaletto, as I mentioned, used to be free. Then it became $10. Now it's $15. And Tamarind, it's only aboard the Koningsdam, the New Amsterdam, and the Eurodam was $20, and now that is $25 per person. To me, this puts Mm -hmm. the restaurants and the charges right along with everyone else in the industry. Like Carnival's Fahrenheit Steakhouse is $35. I think Gigi's Asian Kitchen and Cucina del Capitano, uh, which is their Asian and Italian restaurant, are both $15 on Carnival as well. So I think it puts it right in line with the sister brands. 
it's doing that. You know, it's a shame because, well, everything has to increase in price, yeah. right? I mean, it's just, it just stands to reason. Moving on here, a Princess cruise ship had a little technical glitch last week over in Northern Europe. Uh, what happened and uh, anything impacted with this? Well, it's not that horrible, I guess, unless you don't like to be stranded out in the middle of the Irish Sea, <laughs> at least at summertime and not winter. Basically, what happened is the Caribbean princess left Southampton, England, on July 31 for a 10-night British Isles cruise. Sounds pretty harmless. But then about 25 nautical miles southeast of Dublin, again, in the Irish Sea, uh, the ship lost propulsion and was just basically sitting there listless for about nine hours. They sent a tugboat out with with fix-it people on there, and everything was uh, restored. And even during those nine hours, the ship still had full electric power. It operated all their, uh, the, the ship and hotel services went on as normal, which included, of course, air conditioning, the galleys, and if you eat food, you hope your toilets are working, and they all were. Um, the only real downside was they had to cancel their port call in Dublin, which is a shame because it's a beautiful port to visit for an afternoon. Moving on here. Uh, so our presidential election this year is kind of a joke and Carnival adding their own little fun twist to it. Yeah, they sure did. I mean, I can go back in my brain and remember when Snoopy ran for president. <laughs> so, you know, this is just taking it to the next level. And yeah, to coincide with the release, it's, it's all timed well with this new Dr. Seuss book called <laughs> One Vote Two votes, I vote, you vote, nothing to do with fish. Um, Carnival is now the official seagoing headquarters for the Cat in the Hat's official presidential campaign. So he's hitting the trail along with thing one and thing two. When you go on board Carnival ships now, the Cat in the Hat will be dressed in appropriate presidential duds uh, beginning this week. It's it's just it's, it's so silly. So on the campaign trail, he will perform just like uh, he will perform just like a candidate would by shaking hands, posing for photos, probably kissing babies, much to their chagrin, <laughs> and giving out, you know, bumper stickers or little stickers that they can wear. It sounds like a really clever idea, though, just to get everybody in the mood and, and maybe distract a little bit for that one week while you're on the ship, you know, as to what's going on back on land. And here's the cat in the hat. Um, and, you know, with this subliminal message, I think, of the importance of voting and to try to learn the election process. Well, in closing here, a popular Disney movie is coming on board Disney Cruise Line ships as a stage show. What are we seeing here? Put on your jackets because we're going to be seeing Frozen, the musical spectacular. It's going to debut aboard Disney Wonder beginning November 10th on the sailing out of Galveston. And, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen a Disney Cruise Line, one of those main stage production numbers. But if someone has not experienced it, they do such an elaborate job. It, it could rival a Broadway production. It really does. So and in this case, Disney really pulled no punches. Um, they put together this stellar production ensemble with Tony, Tony nominated, Tony award winning um, directors and costume designers. They're writer of this whole thing her name happens to be sarah wordsworth so i thought that's you know if you're going to be a writer that may as well be your last name so they're they're just going all out for the spectacular musical spectacular been talking with sherry kennedy from cruisemaven.com find the links to all the cruise news stories at cruiseradio.net thank you sherry thanks a lot doug it's always fun this is cruise radio
From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear more, go to cruiseradio.net and click on Radio Channel or go to iTunes and search Cruise Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Cruise Radio. So we've come to the point of the show where Richard Sims from New York City is going to interview, uh, interview me about my sailing on Holland America's New Amsterdam, a seven-night Alaska cruise I just did. Just got back from a couple of days ago, actually. And uh, we're going to talk all about the sailing, uh, the ship, and the destination, because if you haven't done Alaska, you have got to make sure you do it, because it's just amazing. Uh, but without any further ado, Richard Sims. What's up, Richard? Hey, thanks for having me, and um, thanks for letting me um, chat with you about this. I have to say, I'm really kind of excited about this one. Um, in looking at pictures of the ship, it's a gorgeous, elegant, classy ship, and plus, because it's you know, New Amsterdam is what New York was originally named, and that's what it's named after. Um, this is the fourth ship in the New Amsterdam series, and interestingly, I found out today that the second of the New Amsterdam ships is the one that you see featured in the Holland America logo. I did not know that until today. So, what are you moonlighting down at the New York Historical Society again? Uh, yeah, I do a little research. I, you know, I want to sound at least a little bit intelligent when I talk to you. I mean, you actually were on the ship and have the experience of that. All I can do is a little research. Let's start at the very beginning. Tell me where you left from and what your embarkation process was like. Yeah, sure. So I left out of Vancouver. So I had to fly there from Jacksonville. It was about a 12-hour flight connected through San Francisco, uh, actually Orlando, San Francisco, and then to Vancouver. I flew out of Orlando, not um, Jacksonville. Orlando was like $600 cheaper. Uh, So I flew out of there. It got there a night early, stayed at the Pan Pacific Hotel uh, right there at the port at Canada Place. It touches – the hotel touches the cruise pier. You, I was literally looking at my window and looking onto the fifth deck of the New Amsterdam. It's, it's that close. So wow. it's super close. Kind of a premium price to pay. You're looking at uh, about 500 a night. But with that, you have to remember the Canadian dollar 
is a lot weaker than ours. So that $500 is really 20% less than American dollars. So uh, you can get a good rate there with conversions. Everything's priced in Canadian dollars. Uh, embarkation, though, got on the ship. I was the first one on the ship. Canada does things a little different in Vancouver because because you are going to America technically when you get on the ship. You have to clear customs before you get on the ship. <laughs> so it's, it's a really re- weird arrangement to me at least. So you had to go through a customs line like you do at the airport or coming back into JFK or whatever and then do the kiosk, print the paper out with your photo on it and take it to a customs agent, um, the Border Patrol. They sign off and you go back on the ship. All that's good. But if you come back off the ship again and want to go into Vancouver to walk around, you have to clear customs every time you come back on the ship. So my suggestion would be if you want to do stuff uh, before you sail away, maybe board the ship a little bit later to avoid having to clear customs twice. You know what I mean? Yeah, that sounds like a real pain in the butt. Yeah, and I didn't do it. Like I just, re- I was gonna get a seaplane because you can get a seaplane for thirty minutes in the Vancouver Harbor right there for like sixty US. And I was so down to do that. But when I found out that you had to clear customs again, and you know, around one o'clock is about rush hour at a cruise terminal. So I was like, "There's no way." And on top of that. There's two cruise ships being serviced at a time, so there's one customs area. So you're you're potentially having 5,000 people go through one customs area. So I just avoided it altogether. I got I was actually the first person to walk on the ship, and there I stayed until sail away. <laughs> okay, so you walk on the ship. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this is sort of a mid-sized ship. What was your first impression when you walk on the ship? Yeah, so you know, I've been on her sister ship, the Eurodam, a couple of times actually, and uh, she's a signature class ship, probably five or six years old at this point. Really elegant, you know. There's a, there's a lot of wood on the ship, so you're not seeing the bright colors that we're used to seeing on the mass market lines. It's a little more subdued. Um, you board right there on deck two, but on deck two on this class of ship is where all the entertainment is. That's where the Queen's Lounge is, the theater, the casino. Uh, I think the Pinnacle Grill is also on deck two as well, and some of the bars as you move your way back. So there's plenty to do on deck two. So from there, you just kind of scatter and go where you want, drop your bag off or go to deck nine to eat at the Lido deck or whatever you want to do. So first impressions, just a very relaxed feeling. But to me, anytime you cross that threshold, uh, you go from gangway to cruise ship, you're automatically on vacation and all worries go away. Yeah, I, usually crossing the gangway is the first sign, and then when I have a cocktail in my hand is yep, the second sign. Exactly. Um, what was your stateroom category? What was it like? So I had a veranda balcony. I guess it's kind of redundant probably. I think a veranda is a balcony. But I had a balcony stateroom. Uh, plenty of space in the balcony. Actually, a lot of space. Also, I was very impressed with... The bed was pretty comfortable. I've been on some sailings lately that the beds have just sucked. The bed was really comfortable. Uh, There was a tub in the bathroom. That was nice, too. I don't take baths. I'm not a bath person, but it's just nice to have it there. And it's also, if you have a tub, you know you're going to have space. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're not going to have a little corner shower to um, shower in. So that was nice. Uh, Two or three plugs there. No USB ports. Uh, Holland America's newer ship, the Koningsdam, has USB, but none in this ship yet, Uh, or maybe not ever. But yeah, so nice stateroom, plenty of space. There's drawers at the end of the bed. 
under the bed. So there's also three big cabinets, like stand-up cabinets. And then you have two nightstands and then two big pull-out drawers at the end of your bed. So I felt there was plenty of space. But you have to think that these ships are also designed to do like 60-day cruises. So they have to have you – they have to give plenty of space for their passengers. All right. So you're wandering around the ship. What's your general take on the ship? You know what? I, I like the amount of venues. People think of Holland America. They think of, oh, gosh, it's your grandfather's ship. There's nothing to do. But in reality, there was a lot to do. And with their partnership with like the B.B. King Blues Club that we'll talk about later and uh, some of their culinary partnerships, they have a lot of cool things happening throughout the ship. Um, a lot of venues, beautiful theater, just an overall good feel. All right, so let's talk about some of this food. Um, what's the Lido like? What's some of the? Did you eat in any of the specialty restaurants? Yeah, so there are six or seven venues on board. There's the Pinnacle Grill, which is their signature Pacific Northwest steakhouse. There's Tamarind, which is a kind of a Pan Asian cuisine. Canaletto is their Italian restaurant, which is actually a section of their Lido Deck Market. It's just kind of uh, in its own little corner, but it's all, it's it's coined as a specialty restaurant. It's like ten bucks there at night. The Manhattan dining room was their main dining room. They had a burger joint called Dive In Burgers, which are um, hot dogs and burgers served by the pool. Uh, New York pizza, and of course the Lido Marketplace that had seven, seven, six or seven different stations. So you could get uh, the deli section, you can go to the Italian section, you can go to the Asian section, or the kind of the country home style section with your your fried chicken, meatloaf, mac and cheese, and veggies type stuff. So the Lido Marketplace was awesome. Opened early, like seven to ten for breakfast, and then I think it did like a five to nine dinner run, maybe five to nine thirty. But they always have food in there twenty four seven. So they have like the late night snacks or the dessert bar that's always open. So there's always you you won't go hungry on that ship. Do you notice anything different, whether it's in the in the Lido or anywhere else on the ship? Um, based on that sort of reflects food-wise the heritage of the ship? You know what? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, like the Pinnacle Grill, which is the Pacific Northwest Steakhouse, it, it carries from ship to ship quite well. In fact, you know what? All these venues that I've mentioned, now that I think about it, over the, I've only been on five Holland America ships, but they all kind of carry over to each other. And none of them are none of them reinvent themselves or anything. It's just it's consistent across each ship. Okay, what was the main dining room like? How was the service? How was the food? I have to say, our service, our, our server, his name was Dewey. That was that was one of Donald Duck's kids, right? Or nephews? Yes. Dewey? Okay, yeah. His name was Dewey. <laughs> Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yeah, because he made a comment about that. And the food there was to die for, and I'm not normally a big fan of main dining rooms, but they had like a fillet. They a lot of cruise lines will give you a surf and turf, but it's like a steak and shrimp. Like their surf and turf was a steak and a five-ounce lobster tail or whatever it was, six-ounce. Good food there, solid service. Because of all the specialty restaurants I went to on the ship, and I wanted to try different areas around the ship, I think I only went um, in the main dining room three nights out of the seven. But just spot on, great service, great menu selections. And I like their menu because you know when you go on a Holland America ship, their menu isn't like going to Cheesecake Factory. It's really basic. It is the tonight's menu on one side and a standard menu on the other side. Uh, so it sounds like the food was pretty much across the board excellent. Did you what what specialty restaurants did you hit and were there any actual low points? 
Okay, so I went to the Tamaran, which is the Asian place, Pinnacle Grill, which is the Pacific Northwest steak and seafood place, which, by the way, they have a 36-ounce president's cut there of beef. If you think you can eat – it's just a surcharge for it, but if you think you can eat 36 ounces, you could actually get that. And I think they should give it to you for free if you can eat it all, but they don't. <laughs> that, but anyways, uh, the, so the Pinnacle Grill is $29. Tamarind is 20 and that's the Pacific or uh, the Asian cuisine. I didn't go to Canaletto only because I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy. This might be very narrow-minded of me, but the only kind of pasta I'll eat is spaghetti and meatballs, lasagna, or chicken parmesan. You know, when you start getting, that is very narrow-minded. Yeah, when you start getting into the to the <laughs> the cacciatore and the antipasta or in the prosciutto and all that, it's it's all goes over my head. But so I, I took a pass on that restaurant and didn't go to that one. New York Pizza, their pizza was pretty solid for what cruise ship pizza is like. Dive in burger joint on the Lido deck. Uh, it's kind of like Holland America's version of Guy's Burgers, nowhere near as good as far as how good a Guy's Burger is, but the quality is there. Um, they have their own signature sauce. You can get like the burger three or four different ways, but also Divin has a vegetarian option. They have a portobello mushroom you can get, which uh, Guy's doesn't have. So I don't even know what I would say a low point would be because I was pretty happy across the board on this. And there wasn't even a meal where I was like, you know what? This meal was just okay or this meal was subpar. It was all pretty consistently good. Wow. That's a real compliment. I mean, I think I don't think I've ever been on a on a voyage where I didn't have at least one meal where I was like, eh, you know, this is so-so. So, wow. Good job. <laughs> good job, Holland America. Yeah. Now, what about entertainment venues? Did you get to hit BB King's? Uh, what was it like? Yeah, so BB King's, uh, it's held in the Queen's, Queen's Lounge. This is a partnership that Holland America started with BB uh, King, his team over in Memphis. And a lot of the players on the ship actually gig around at the BB King Blues Clubs around the world. So you're actually having like straight up legit people. Some of them have even played with BB King before in the past. So that's pretty cool. In fact, he plays a couple of times. He, he has passed, right, BB King? I think so. Yeah, maybe his hologram's still alive. The hologram never dies, right? <laughs> never. Right, yeah. So <laughs> they did a couple of jam sessions in the main show theater, and it was pretty much standing room only. Are there any other entertainment venues on the ship? Yeah, so there's um, there's like a nightclub as well. There's also uh, Adagio Strings, which is a – it's held in the Explorer's Lounge and it's a violinist and a pianist, and they play like classical music. But it's it's a cool kind of before dinner, have a drink kind of atmosphere there. A house band, of course, you have poolside entertainment. I think there was a DJ out there, but it's not not playing like straight up hip hop rap music by the pool. It's really chill. Like I think probably Taylor Swift is the most extreme they'll play by the pool, <laughs> which I liked. I was going to say, sounds sounds perfect. I'm clearly getting older because this ship with the strings and the Taylor Swift at the pool is sound <laughs> right up my alley. Yeah. Uh, what was the uh, itineraries like? Now, now Alaska, that's that is on my bucket list. Never been, but geez, feels like gotta go. This was my fourth or fifth time to Alaska, and I have to tell you, man, every time I've gained a respect for it more and more after every time I've gone there. Because um, you always think of Alaska, and I don't know if you actually have thought of this before, before you got into cruising and like, oh, it's Alaska, it's up in the Northwest, big deal, you know, mountains, glaciers, icebergs, whatever. 
But until you actually see it, until you're standing face to face with a towering glacier that's 150 feet taller than you, or on a cruise ship and staring at Marjorie Glacier and Glacier Bay and watching it calve and parts of the ice fall off of it, like you can't, you know, you could, we could talk about it all day long. I can show you the pictures all day long, but until you're there in that moment and experiencing it, yeah, you haven't lived. Yeah, it's it's something I really truly want to do at some point. Uh, so, were there what were your port stops? So, we our first day was a sea day, which is cruising the inside passage, so between Canada and Alaska. And then on Monday, we were in Juneau, and that was like an all-day port. We were there until 10 p.m. The next day was Skagway. Uh, Wednesday was cruising Glacier Bay, where we saw the three glaciers, um, Hopkins Glacier, Marjorie Glacier, and one more. We did Ketchikan on Thursday. On Friday was cruising the Inside Passage back to Vancouver, and then we disembarked on Saturday. Out of all those ports, I will say I had crab in every single one of them. And uh, I, I got an all-you-can-eat crab feast in Ketchikan. In Juneau, there's a place called Tracy's Crab Shack that's wor- known worldwide. She started in a, as a small little shack on the dock, and now she has this huge restaurant where there's a line out the door. I think on a couple of my blogs, I put pictures of the lines at Tracy's. It was just amazing. A little pricey. Like, you're talking 40 or $50 for a crab meal, but... If you like crab and you like a lot of crab, you won't leave there hungry. Uh, it's really good. Then Skagway got crab as well, and I was 10 minutes late. They had all-you-can-eat crab for $35 from 3 to 6 p.m., and I got there at 6, 10 p.m., and I missed out on it. And the price was $110. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, it was uh, 29 for half a pound, so it went up significantly. I, I wish I would have known this sooner. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that was, my... this is why it pays to do your research kids. I know. So what was the sea day like? A lot to do on sea days. Actually, they had the, uh, the ocean, they opened up the ocean bar where they had like a house band in there kind of just playing contemporary music. Um, of course, all the restaurants were open, the pools, I, I have to give them props for the pools because they have, you know, Alaska's not the warmest climate, um, you know, there's some days in Alaska where it's 40s and 50s in the summertime. So they have a dome over their a retractable roof that Holland America can open and close over Deck 9. So they did that a lot on, on two of the sea days, I think. Uh, the last day they kept it open because it was gorgeous out on a cloud in the sky. But they also have an aft pool with two hot tubs back there. And that was utilized as well. And I have to say, on my show a lot, I talk about what really defines a cruise ship is how it behaves on sea days as far as the passenger flow, both inside and outside of the ship, and what a ship is really like on a sea day. And you would have thought we were in a port when we were at a sea day. The only time that I was getting frustrated, it was lunch in the Lido when it was raining with bad weather because it took a lot of the seats outside. We were pretty much like walked the the deck three or four times around the perimeter of the Lido to try to find a place. We eventually did. That's the only time that the the it, it wasn't as as good as I'd like it to be. Yeah, and and under circumstances like that, you almost have to expect that. You yeah, know? yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, bad weather. Half the ships closed off to the outside, so there's the tables aren't out there, the service isn't out there. 
and you're just going to have to deal with it. If, if you want to eat, we could always, you could always go in the main dining room too. I had a great experience in the main dining room for lunch. And we did like, they have like this express lunch where you're in and out in 30 minutes. Domino's can't even deliver that quickly. Jeez, they that's pretty good. To. So you get back home. What's, um, what's uh, disembarkation like? Disembarkation was nice. I was impressed. And I don't know if it's because we did, we cleared customs coming onto the ship that we didn't have to clear it coming off of the ship. So that was a that was nice there. Uh, probably ten minutes from gangway to curb, uh, we had self assist, so we brought our own bags off. They didn't look at our passports or anything. It was kind of like Miami. You just gave them the customs form and walked off. Jeez, that's nice. So, any final thoughts or maybe tips for people who are heading on the ship for the first time? I would do research. If I would have done research, I could have made out on my crab feast a little better than what I <laughs> spending a hundred dollars at that restaurant. Um, excursions do book out uh, or sell out, so if you're going to use a third party shore excursion company, or if you're going to book it on the ship, you want to make sure you book early because these are once in a lifetime opportunities. You know, it's not every day you get to go up on a four or six seater Cessna over a glacier and fly 100 feet above it or land a helicopter on one and hike it. Everybody wants to do this, and sometimes there's six ships in port, five, five ships, depending on what day it is. So things do sell out. So you want to do your research and make sure, get what you want to do. But also I would say don't be afraid to spend a couple of extra dollars. This is Alaska. I know when we all go to the Caribbean, we're always looking at how we can save money. Are we going to sneak booze on this ship? Uh, what are we going to do? To, to save a couple of extra dollars. But with Alaska, I would definitely say get a balcony. Like there's nothing like waking up in the morning and looking at your, out your balcony and being next to a glacier and sitting out there having a cup of coffee with my fat pants on and reading the New York Times <laughs> Digest they delivered to your room. Like there's just a lot, of, a lot of perks about having a balcony in Alaska. And I would say dress, dress in layers too because, you know, we're here in Florida – bacon in the freaking sun right now it's it's 100 degrees and more every single day when you get to alaska 3,000 miles northwest of here it it gets pretty chilly you're talking about nights in the 40s and highs in the 50s and 60s during the day so you want to dress appropriately well all right i guess at this point i need to start figuring out how i'm going to pay for a trip uh, to alaska and while i'm doing that i'll turn the show back over to you it's rightful owner well richard you made my job easier and all i have to say is thank you so much for listening and uh being here week after week your continued support really really means so much to me i love hearing from you too if you want to ever want to shoot me an email doug at cruiseradio.net thanks for being here and we'll talk again next week a big question we get at cruise radio is how do i know if i need trip insurance Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida.
Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. Hey, Mike. Glad you could join me for some great seafood. Me too. Wait, why are you dressed in fishing gear? You said we were going out to catch great seafood, right? Yes, to Popeye's. Do you even know how to fish? No, I thought you did. Oh, yeah. I could catch pretty good seafood at Popeye's. Let's go. Let Popeye's do the fishing while you enjoy our delicious signature seafood. Get Popeye's flounder fish sandwich or shrimp tackle box before they're gone. Limited time at participating U.S. restaurants. 